podcasting from Dallas, Texas. I am Shireen, and this is the Yumlish Podcast. On this episode of the Yumlish Podcast, Dr. Harvey Castro talks to us about COVID-19, the best ways to prevent the virus from getting in our homes, and how education and acceptance plays a role in the spread of the virus and our mental health. Yumlish empowers people with chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes and heart disease to take charge of their health through diet. And this podcast is created to amplify the voices of patients, health professionals, employers, and community members who are working to reduce the risk of these chronic diseases and put your health first. Dr. Harvey Castro is a highly skilled, board-certified emergency room physician and has been voted a best doctor in Dallas from 2014 through 2020. Practicing as a physician, coupled with his passion to serve others, has motivated him for the last 17 years. This motivation is a backbone of his experience in co-founding of Trusted Medical Centers. Dr. Castro, welcome on our show today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, and thank you for your time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's a pleasure. I want to dive right in and ask you, what led you to practice medicine? Honestly, uh, my first job ever was working in a health food store. And my first day, my boss told me, I want you to memorize this whole aisle, memorize all these vitamins and what they do and herbs and whatnot. So I literally took it to heart and I started learning herbs and vitamins. And long story short, I would have uh, patients come in and say, hey, I'm I'm trying to lose weight. I'm having menstrual cramps. I'm having X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you need to try this herb. You need to try this vitamin. And I actually created a business at age 15 for this. And I started selling vitamins and herbs. Um, And long story short, I was like, I love this science. Like, this is so cool. I was like, can you imagine if I could prescribe and actually do alternative medicine and medicine? So I was like, that's it. I'm going to be a doctor. And so I studied hard. I made it through all the rigorous training. And here I am. But I'm still helping. I love what I do. And it's still that passion to help others. Um, So that's kind of what sparked me to go into healthcare. That's lovely. And so you were an entrepreneur at 15. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so I want to I want to dive right in and, and speak to a little bit about COVID-19. Um, we know that and of course, you you being on the front lines of this, you're you're seeing this every day. Uh, so we know that people with diabetes and other chronic illnesses are at risk of complications from COVID-19. Staying at home, of course, is the best way to prevent the spread. If one is going out of the house, what can they really do uh, when they come back in the house to make sure that they and their loved ones are safe? Yeah, excellent question. You know, some of the tips are pretty simple, but we don't think about. For example, I would keep an extra pair of shoes that I never wear inside the house. And so what I personally do is I'll wear my shoes, I'll go out, I'll do whatever it is. And then when I get back at home at the door, I'll have a box with shoes and I just put my shoes there. And then I have other shoes that I go in the house. I personally, depending on my environment that I'm in, um, I go home, I change immediately, I shower, I have clothes ready that I, when I'm home, I came up with this acronym called Tweed. Basically, I think it's important for you to test yourself. W means wash your hands. Uh, there's two E's in there. So educate yourself, 
and then educate your others about it. So there's so much information like the CDC is always uh, keeping information up to date. And I think that's a good website to just keep looking on COVID and see what the CDC has to say, because that's what all of us doctors are doing. We're following the CDC guidelines. D, obviously distance yourself. And that's hard because you have your loved ones. You want to hug. You want to hug mom, grandpa. But at this time, it's a little tough in the sense that if you, God forbid, you're a carrier and you don't know it and you're going around with your mom or grandma, you may make that person sick. So you got to be very careful. So D is very important. And then uh, M, wear your mask, keep your distance. Interesting little tidbit. In Europe, they're recommending uh, three feet. In the United States, it's six feet. Uh, my theory is if you tell someone six, they'll probably do three. If you tell someone three, they probably do one or two. So I bet you that's probably why. With that said, don't don't go to three. Stay at six. <laughs> uh, the farther you are, the less likely you are going to get it. So there is some science to that. So do keep your distance. Lovely. And then what you, what are you seeing in your um, clinics right now, especially when it comes to people with diabetes? Are they able to come in? Are you seeing them? What are their concerns? Uh, sort of what what is top of mind? Yeah, excellent question. Uh, diabetes, in my opinion, comes in several flavors in the sense that you could be a new onset diabetes or you could have been diagnosed when you were young. And so depending where you are tells me how long you've had the disease. <clears throat> If you've had your disease since you were 10 and I'm looking at a 40-year-old, then in reality, that person's had diabetes for 30 years. It's very likely that that 30-year-old's body and immune system is like someone that's actually 60 years old. As opposed to someone that's 30 with no diabetes, there are two different people. But when I hear diabetes, it's a red flag for me saying, okay, this person could be immunosuppressed. This person can have issues. Now, the key question again would be is, what is your hemoglobin A1C? Where are you at? Because that person since age, let's say they got diagnosed at age 10, they've been very strict. They've been taking their medicine. They don't, they watch their diet. They have, they're very controlled. And that person's a little different because if that person's, look, my hemoglobin A1C has always been normal, then I'm like, okay, well, this person might not be 60 now. Maybe this person has, his body hasn't taken a hit because they've been so diligent with their diabetes. And so some of the things that we're seeing at our um, emergency rooms are patients with diabetes that have big complications and we have some that don't. And interesting enough, there is a correlation on their sugars. So the next question would be like, well, you know, if I have diabetes, I haven't controlled it. Well, what's the use of controlling it now? Well, no, it's huge now. Now more than ever, now with COVID-19, you want to uh, boost your immune system. You want to make Mm -hmm. sure that you as a person can do everything possible. The beauty is now there's medicine. You know, there's some diseases out there that do not have medicine. So you have a pill that can help. You have an injection that can help. You have diet that can help. You can have all these tools. Why not use all these tools for your diabetes? And now with COVID-19, I would recommend all my older patients and diabetic patients to please make sure they take all their medicine so that there's nothing holding their immune system back. And then are they, what is top of mind for them? Are they concerned about getting the virus? Are they concerned, you know, sort of what, what are you hearing from them? It's interesting. I I say this a lot. I feel like life is a bell curve. You know, there's people on one extreme that are so worried that they don't want anyone coming to their house. They want to be excluded a hundred percent from everyone. And then there's the other side that they are, they know they have risk factors. They know they're of age and Not that they don't care, but they're not washing their hands. They're not wearing a mask. They're not keeping their distance. Um, In their mind, they're like, ah, it's not going to be me. And and there's that mentality. Now, again, I said bell curves. That's the two extremes. I think the majority of the people are washing their hands, keeping their distance. I think they're 
learning, and I think this disease is about education. I think as a whole, as the whole United States, or let's take it more, the whole world learns, the more we'll adapt to the new norm. The new norm now is wearing a mask and keeping distance. With time, I think more people are educated, the more the disease will go down because people are educated and actually doing what they are told that they should be doing. So I think that's the key. It's education with these people. And the more everyone's learning, including myself, the more we're helping, the more we're contributing. And I call it the, it's like our social cause right now. All of us, it's our social duty to do our part and to keep our tweet intact, you know, keeping your distance and mask and everything I've recommended. So I think that's big. Um, in a diabetes world, I, I, if I had diabetes, I would worry. Uh, I know I've been told borderline. So then I personally started working out and started eating better and watching what I eat and um, watching my weight. And, you know, there's certain populations, you know, best who, who get the diabetes um, and, and what their body looks like and why. And so then I'm working at those things to make sure that I'm not that statistic later. Mm-hmm. And and I think you, you touched on something very important right now is one of the things that we're seeing is, and in fact, the New York Times put out some, some um, information on this as well uh, from the CDC, stating that when we look at minorities in particular, we've already been hearing of Latino groups, Black groups that are, um, you know, where cases of deaths are higher from COVID-19 within these minority groups. And then we also are hearing now that they're also getting infected at a higher rate. And so that drives down to some of the, you know, some of the the types of jobs that they have. They cannot, you know, these aren't, these aren't jobs where you can sit at a desk or, you know, sort of work from home. And, you know, some of us have that options and others don't. And so that runs into a complication to where they're having to go into work because they have bills to pay because they have to, you know, pay rent, utilities, all of those types of things. And, um, and so when we're looking at minority groups, it seems like some of those are causing an inflection in, you know, in, in getting the, the virus itself. Um, what are you seeing to that? What are you seeing with the patients that, that you see to that end? Yeah. You know, I've thought this through a lot. Um, and I agree with that statement. I believe it is the job that a lot of these patients have that is putting them at risk. Every time I go to fast food or dry cleaners or anywhere or just workers, I look and I'm seeing minorities that are taking care of me. And I'm thinking, wow, these are the front lines. These are the people that are out there. She's, you know, the other day, the fast person, food person had gloves on, had a mask, had the mirror, you know, the glass to keep the distance, uh, made sure that I didn't touch her and gave, gave her the credit card and I put it in and held it, didn't touch her. But I thought this is the population that is likely to get it because think of how many people they're coming in interaction with. The other thing that we uh, that I believe truly is it's where you live. I grew up in a small apartment in New York City and we shared elevators and we shared the stairs and we shared close proximity. Um, I remember hating being on the subway because I felt like I was like someone was right in my face and I felt like there was a million people on me and I was like, that's just life. And so if that's what your life is every day, then I would expect that you're there's no social distancing there. I mean, they're in your face coughing. Um, and I remember being in New York with somebody coughing, thinking, man, I hope they don't have anything because I'm sharing the same air and we're like in each other's faces. So I think from a socioeconomical point of view, there's some people that are living in certain conditions that we can add. And those conditions are attributing to that. 
And it goes back to education. I think um, as everyone gets educated and realizes, hmm, I really should wear my mask. Huh? I should wash my hands. And you know what? Maybe I shouldn't go up the elevator with a million people. Maybe I'll wait for the next one or maybe I'll just take the stairs. I think with time, it'll get better. And that's why I think it's so important to just educate. I love what you're doing with your podcast because you're educating others on this disease. Thank you. We're definitely trying. Um, One of the things that, that I'm curious to learn about is how do you sort of see this going, right? How do you, how do you see this virus sort of continuing to, you know, I mean, this is not, this is not going to be, I think when it first started in March, we we're kind of like, Oh, a couple of weeks and, you know, things will be back to normal. Things have not worked out that way. Um, and so the, with this virus being here to stay, you know, probably longer than, than we had anticipated um, what are you projecting with the patients that you're seeing their lifestyle, their mental health, um, I think that that's a huge thing right now because where the anxiety is, is, you know, sort of hitting an all time high. How do you see this evolving over time by the time we have it up till the time we have a vaccine, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later. But how do you see this evolving into their lifestyle up till that point? If this is a matter of months and, you know, probably uh, a couple of years in, how do you see that impacting their lifestyle and, and mental health? Yeah, good question. Um, not to harp on the same thing, but I think the key to all this is education. And why right. is because when you get educated, you see things differently. Until you're educated, you still do the way you've been taught. You do, you know, this is how I take care of patients. This is how I do business, people in the world. This is how I do stuff. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, social distancing here, the rules, and there's a new set of rules. So I think how this impacts you is the sooner you accept what has been happening and what has changed, the faster we will all adapt. Hmm. And so my point is the following. I think the first vaccine that comes out is probably not going to be as effective as the subsequent one. And so everybody's like, oh my gosh, let's have that vaccine. But look at the flu. Some years people get the flu shot and it works. And some years they, they get it and it doesn't really work that well. And the CDC say, yeah, this shot, this year's shot, it's not that good. So my point is this, when it comes to mental health, I think it's important that we're all used to that social interaction. We're used to seeing our loved ones and being close and family members and and workers. And we're just, that's just life. We're people that are just used to being together. We're not meant to be in our own silos and not around anyone else. So I think number one, um, we have seen uh, increase in depression and anxiety uh, and suicides. We're seeing uh, increase in um, just anger stuff out there. You know, like you're hearing uh, domestic violence is going up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of this is people are stressed out. They they need to get out. They need to do stuff and they're t- being told to stay in a box. And so I think one is education. And when I say education, look at the, let's, let's break that down. So if it's mental health and let's, let's work on coping mechanisms. Let's talk on these Zoom meetings. Um, my cousin sent me a Zoom birthday party uh, invite yesterday. And I was like, this is kind of cool. I get to see her. I get to see family and it's a Zoom meeting. And, you know, these are the kind of things that, again, educate yourself. Let's start doing, you know, I love, and it gave me uh, tears and uh, chills when I saw um, uh, on the news, an older lady's birthday and the whole family drove by and they honked their horn and they had signs and happy birthday. I mean, those are the things that that lady, I'm sure she was sad and depressed. And when she saw her family, loved ones there, they kept their distance. They thought outside the box, but they still accomplished that. So I would see if the more we all get educated, the more we start doing these things, that it now becomes the new norm. At that point is when depression and anxiety and stuff will go down. 
long term, unfortunately, I keep saying this over uh, on other people I meet with, the new norm is now. Forget about last Christmas and the Christmas before that. That's gone. It's the new vacations, the new summer vacations, the new way of doing business. That is the new way of doing things, and that's here to stay, and it's not going anywhere. Um, That's not by me or anyone. That's just life, unfortunately. So we are creatures of habits, and so we need to create new habits. And to do new habits, we need to educate so that we can understand why we're doing these actions and why we're moving forward. Uh, For the disease process, in my mind, I see two years. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be about two years because – the first round of vaccine are not going to be as great. Um, they're still going to be contagious. People are still going to be out there. Um, but once I, I almost feel like to uh, the bell curve again example, I feel like the majority of the people have to have had the disease, have to have been immune to it. Um, but then you'll still have your outliers. You'll still have the very young, the very old, and people with diabetes will still be there. And so we still have to take care of them. Um, I'm going blank which country it is, but there's a country out there that takes care of their elderly. They literally said there's this thing called COVID. They took the elderly, they put them in a box and said, hey, we're going to protect them from everybody else. And their mortality rate has dropped because they're keeping them safe. Um, Not that we can't do that, but again, it's back to education. How are we preventing disease? How can we stop? And I think it's going to take a while. Um, And the sooner we all are educated, the sooner we get there, we get our vaccine. The bell curve now is uh, a strong population that knows what they're doing and gets the disease down. Then at that point, we can start opening things up again and moving forward. But I think it's going to be a while. The problem with this is, like any disease, once you have a disease, if it mutates and it becomes a new disease, then that vaccine is null. Now we need another Mm -hmm. one. Um, It's almost like going back to the basic, that TWEED acronym. I think it's important Um, because, again, you're educating, you're learning, you're keeping your distance, you're wearing your mask, um, all that good stuff. Hopefully that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I think and I think you touched on something very important. So definitely the education, but also the acceptance of it, right? And I think when we when we keep comparing our life, well, last year I was able to do this, or you know, a few years ago I was able to do this and now I can't. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's the can't that is preventing us from moving forward. It's not what you can't do, but what you still can do, right? And yeah. I think that that shift is where the frustration lies, is because you're you're looking at it a certain way and, and how things need to go back to normal, quote unquote. Um, but, but this is a normal. And I think there's a huge part of just sort of accepting that and, and moving on that will, that will um, help with the, just the anxiety itself. Yeah. But thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, so with uh, Dr. Castro, we're toward the end of the episode. I will, I'd love for our listeners here to learn more about your work and learn about how they can connect with you. Awesome. Well, I'm the president of Trusted ER. We have seven locations here in DFW. Uh, we have a hospital in Mansfield, uh, six ERs throughout. We have them in Capel, Hearst, uh, Uptown, Dallas, Sherman, Texas, uh, Valley Ranch. Uh, we're about to open one in Colleyville in the fall. Um, waves with connecting with us, it depends what your needs are. We actually just added a pediatric urgent care in uh, Las Colinas area, and we have a wound care as well in, in um, Mansfield. And we're about to open our own uh, COVID-19 testing center. So the easiest way would be to go to trustedmedicalcenters.com and see what location is close to you. Um, What I love about our company is that 
we see the patient and we see the bigger picture as opposed to just seeing you as a number. Um, we're doing whatever we can for our community. So we're diligently working on our own uh, hotline for COVID-19 for patients to be able to call and us be able to answer these questions. So we should have that up and running in the next two weeks. Uh, this COVID outpatient testing center also in the next two weeks. Um, we are also doing things for the employers. We, we right now have a mobile unit that will go to the employer and test everybody that's working there and give them results the next morning. So we're doing whatever we can to do our part and our social responsibility. And as healthcare providers, we're representing Trusted ER. Um, so yeah, feel free to contact us. And if you have any questions, um, I can say firsthand that that's where I personally go. And it's not a sales pitch. It's I feel like all the doctors, the teams have been trained to do whatever's best for the patient. And we do things a little differently. For example, I'll just say this fast. Um, someone comes in with a tension headache, we'll actually call a masseuse to give them a massage and not just jump on medicine. But if they need medicine, we will. Someone's throwing up, we won't let them leave vomiting. We'll make sure that their fluids and they're taken care of and we're addressing the issue. And someone's going home, we're making sure we're calling the doctor to who's going to follow up with this patient. And so we do a lot of things for our patient and we do it because we sincerely love what we do. And mm -hmm. so that's just the medical centers. I love that. And so our, our listener base is, you know, we, we've definitely got local listeners, but then we've also got some nationwide and even international uh, cool. listeners. Yeah. So uh, we'd love to maybe uh, you're, you're writing something, right? You're, you have a book coming out. Yes. I'm so excited. It's called Success Reinvention. And it's basically, I grew up uh, from a single parent. My mom raised me at 15 and she, we were poor, poor in New York City and she gave me the tools to succeed. And so I wrote everything down, my experiences, my failures, the ups and downs, but I put it all in a book and it's coming out next month. So I'm excited to be able to give back to the community. So it'll be in, in English, it'll be in Spanish. Um, I'm working on translating to Portuguese and then uh, it'll be an ebook, but also a, a paperback book. So that'll be out next month for sure. Lovely. And what is, what is the name of the book again? The book is called Success Reinvention. And I created a website called successreinvention.com. And um, if anyone like, they can put in their email and they'll send them the first chapter for free. And I'm working on some more information on there to just give away for free, just to help out people. Again, my main goal is to help others. Um, I think if I'm helping that mother or that dad, then they're helping that son or daughter. And then it just continues to pay forward. And that's my goal. Lovely. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Castro. It has been an absolute Thank pleasure. Thank you so much.